if they said if being happy meant you have to spend 51% of your income toward taxes and uh, maintain a very rigorously controlled environment at the governmental level, I think most Americans would say, no, no, I'm happy enough. That's fine. I'm happy the way I am. I don't need to be happier with someone else in charge. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the well up with our English dead. Good morning again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, or should I say boy and girl, or maybe none of them are listening. Um, this is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jake and Jeff McClure. McClure. Together, we are here to mumble in NADs, confuse and muddle the mind, possibly give clarity on one or two points. That is our chosen quest to, to follow that star, no matter how weary, no matter how far. Here we are. Um, one big issue, and in, in presidents have, de, have decried this for many sessions and many presidents, we import more than we export. We are not dependent on exports to drive our GDP. Germany, which is going through a contraction, is dependent upon exports to drive their GDP. And a lot of those exports were to China and to Russia, and they're not doing that very much anymore. And it is hurting them financially. The fact that we have mostly a closed system in the United States where we create things and we create services, and then other Americans buy them and get paid for that, and we have this nice little circuit in the United States, is a tremendous advantage that just about nobody else on the planet has, which is one of the reasons ours works better. I agree with that. Uh, we were talking, well, we've talked for years now about different experiments, different taking place in different places. When we talked about like the global financial crisis, one of the benefits here, we, we were on the air during that entire thing. So when the European Union looked at the global financial crisis, they looked at it through a completely different lens than we did. When the United States looked at it, when China looked at it, China built cities nobody to live in. We did a stimulus that was somewhere middle of the road. We weren't building cities that were just empty. European Union went austerity. We're cutting back on everything. We're balancing all our budgets. We're going we're gonna to live within our means. The United States came out of the global financial crisis really quickly. Uh, China came out relatively strongly but had some other issues like what do we do with these empty cities? And now when we look, those, some of those empty cities still exist, but they're in horrible repair now. Um, when you have a shrinking population and you're just building and building, eventually you build over much and then you just have empty places. Uh, the European Union took a long time to come out of the global financial crisis because they were not supporting new growth at all. They were just stick to what you're doing, uh, pay off the bills and and go through it. And, and at a personal level, a lot of people did that in the United States, but the big companies that grew out of this didn't do it that way. And but what's a big company that did that? Apple's a great example. Global financial crisis is right when the iPhone was introdu introduced. And they went from a very failing company, almost gone, nearly bankrupt, saved uh, in, in multiple last-minute uh, influxes of money, to being one of the largest companies on the planet. And it had to do with how they spent their money coming out of a crisis. It had to do with having reserves on hand when they needed it. So... 
when we talk about what happened during the pandemic, well, the European Union had a very, very top-down approach where they locked everything down from the very, very heights of government. Same thing happened with China. In the United States, we had a herding cats mentality where different places had completely different people in charge. At what level was it municipal? Was it the county level? Who Was it from a hospital employee? Was it the governor? Who's in, well, no, it's the president. No, it's none of those people or all of them. We didn't know. It was totally chaotic. But we tended to, we at least economically, came out of that much better. As far as death rate goes, man, you can have a long debate about that, but we had more people die here. Uh, the majority of the people that died died really at the front end of it, but we had a lot more people die here. We also had a much better economic response. Does it sound like I'm saying something good or something bad here? And that's going to be based on your political spectrum. There are people that just heard what I said as a glowing praise of the United States, and there's people that heard what I just said as a glowing damnation of the United States. Uh, neither of those is true. We came out of it black and white. We came out of it economically better, health-wise. At the end of it, we have a better approach and a better treatment plan, but we lost more people to it. Mm -hmm. So we have different experiments. The results are crazy. They're all over the map. I kind of am okay with the where direction that we're going. There's no way you can say any individual died because of the actions of government or not here at the global, international, national, state level. I mean, it's could we have saved a lot of people by going absolute lockdown like they did in China and in Europe? No, no, because it wouldn't work here. We wouldn't do it. We wouldn't do it. We're a bunch the government of government doesn't. The government does not have the authority in our country to lock us down. Correct. So you can say, well, the government should have done this. And if you're on the liberal end, end of this, you could say the government should have done this. They didn't have the power to. I mean, even under emergency orders, there's only a limit. There's a certain limit to what can happen. And it's much more at a local government level. And that's what we've chosen. So the reality is that in other countries, they weren't a lot more... <laughs> It's a definition of freedom to some extent. And here we have the, the freedom to do things that are a little bit different, um, to get upset over people telling us that we have to wear masks. Uh, where other countries, if you get upset about it, well, that means prison time. <laughs> uh, and I think that's phenomenally good. And I think it's great that we have the ability to argue with the government, even in times of emergency. Um, and we can just got an email from Philip saying, I agree. Uh, in Sweden, due to the tax rate and cost of living, you aren't left with much easy uh, discretional income. Uh, it, this is true. You can have places where Denmark is a great example. They're discretional income isn't bad. Their tax rate is one of the highest on the planet, but they're also one of the happiest nations on the planet. They've got good growth coming out of there too. It's a very, uh, one would say, homogenous culture. They all have a very distinct viewpoint. They all have a similar background. It's definitely not a mixing pot. We don't have a lot of different ideas on how to grow there. We don't have a lot of competing um, methodologies. So you have a very few number of really high growth things, and most of it is pretty laid back. That's cool. It's not necessarily what we're trying to accomplish in the United States. Though if you ask most people if they would like to be happy, I bet most of them say yes. If they said if being happy meant you have to spend 51% of your income toward taxes and uh, maintain a very rigorously controlled environment at the governmental level, I think most Americans would say, no, no, I'm happy enough. That's fine. I'm happy the way I am. I don't need to be happier with someone else in charge. 
Well, we, in fact, I, I'm not from, I, I don't know all the details of Sweden, but I do know about Denmark. I looked at the, because Jake has a sister, my daughter, who's in Denmark, and I was able to look at the way things worked in her situation. Indeed, they pay 50% of what they earn. A little more, a little more, yeah. Roughly 50% to the government, but they don't have to buy health insurance and they don't have to buy a retirement plan because the government is running an honest to God super 401k where they invest in actual stocks and bonds and so on around the globe uh, for the entire working population. And it's, by the yeah. way, seems to be working very well. And the healthcare is, you don't, you, part of that 50% is you've got guaranteed healthcare, uh, which by the way, seems to work relatively well there too. But if you take a look, uh, as I have, at somebody who's working in the United States, it's not by the time you pull out money for a 401k and you pull out money for health insurance and you pull out money for taxes in the United States. It amounts to about the same. It's about the same. It's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's just a matter of how it's done and who's doing it. Right. Uh, we prefer to, apparently in the United States, we prefer to go without health care if necessary uh, to maintain our freedom to choose what we want to buy. Uh, I don't know that that's a particularly good approach uh, because we have, as a result, a pretty significant lower productivity because of people being sick. And we have a lot of people in the United, in the United States who get sick, who can't afford medical care. Um, morally, that bothers me. Yeah. Uh, there's something wrong with that picture. And there's there's a lot of things that are broken with our medical system. There's things broken in our university system, and we need to spend some time fixing it. But when you look at our overall success as an economic power, it's really hard to argue with it. It is, I mean, as you were talking about in the first hour, if you measure our GDP growth in the same way that the Chinese measure their own, we grew as a percentage of our economy faster than they did for the last several quarters. They're this young emerging economy and yet we were growing faster percentage-wise we already have a larger economy so a percentage of our economy one percent is a lot bigger than their one percent and yet we're growing at the same percentage rate they are which means we're growing faster that's just they can't keep up if we keep doing that you said that last quarter and the quarter before if you measure it the same way our economy is growing faster than the chinese economy and this has been a goal of a lot of people on both political parties for a long time. Hey, we've got to stay ahead of them. We've got to be growing faster than them. Well, we are now. Uh, and it's mostly due to our efforts and their <laughs> moving in the opposite direction from a free market. Uh, that's, we can go on about that, but I think that's a, that's a big... Oh. Other than one thing, Chairman Xi has said again and again and again in Chinese that it is his goal to unify China by 2027. Right. That means Taiwan. That means he will take Taiwan. They have built up a tremendous uh, reserve of food, oil, and gas in China. Uh, they continue to build on that reserve. Uh, they continue to focus on being self-sufficient. Why would they do that? They weren't doing that in the past because they recognize if they invade Taiwan or go to invade Taiwan and the United States defends Taiwan, which I think we're likely to do. They will not be able to import much of anything and they'll have to live off what they have. Are they willing to do that? I think so. Uh, so you can write this down in your little notebook. Uh, it wasn't from me, it's, although I'm saying it. The generals are saying, the, the senior generals in the armed forces have warned Congress that sometime in this decade, they firmly believe China will do whatever is necessary to annex Taiwan. And that would be 
the big monkey wrench in the economics machine because then we're all bets are off at that point. It starts, it gets a little crazy. This is a, a factor here. One of the major investors in chip manufacturing in the United States right now are Taiwanese companies. They're, they definitely see the writing on the wall. They, they're being approached by China with a military presence to say, we're going to come and take your stuff. Now, Taiwan has mined itself. It's got explosives throughout the country. It's done a lot of things to make it a, a, a poison pill to swallow. But the reality is that the companies, the corporations that are running in Taiwan are terrified that when China comes, they're going to lose everything. So they're spending lots of billions of dollars making manufacturing facilities in the United States to do exactly what they're doing in Taiwan. Number one chip manufacturing country on the planet is Taiwan. If you want to call it a country, I could get in trouble and not be allowed to go to China if I refer to it as anyway independent. I don't have any desire to go to China. I don't either. I like Chinese food, or, but or or Russia. Or or Russia at this point, although I have flown through Russia uh on the way to to parts of Asia um and I thought it was really cool to have been in Russia, but the reality is that it's not a place I would like to actually stay for very long with the way things are going. And China is not making it pleasant for Westerners to visit anyway at the moment. It is definitely making it unpleasant as a place to stay. Uh, so me saying Taiwan as a country, I, I think I'm on a low end of the spectrum for threats from Xi Jinping. Um, so what else do you, I mean, a lot happened this week. We're, I've watched, watched and read about automation in warehouses because warehouse and uh, manufacturing in the United States is automating at a pace that is far faster than anything that we have seen in the last several decades. It's uh, Walmart is putting together warehouses that are not fully automated yet, but they're getting very close that already are the, the warehouses are being designed for the machines rather than for people. Um, and watching forklifts, forklifts drive around operating, picking up pallets and moving them around, wrapping pallets. The, the, the automation process is, looks a lot like what happened 10 years ago in the agriculture world, where the machine's going to pick up your hay and roll the bale and then wrap it for you. Nobody's driving. Then move all the bales out to where they're supposed to go. And in the Walmart distribution centers in the Amazon distribution centers. And you can just go down a list of logistical centers all over the place, more locally in Temple, McLean's, um, the automation level that's taking place in warehouse uh, facilities is just, I mean, five years ago, if you'd walked in and seen exactly what is commonplace today, you would think you were in a science fiction movie. Nothing's driving in that stuff. It's just driving. Well, is there somebody with a remote control somewhere? No. <laughs> It's driving that's, itself. That's one of those interesting things that relates to what we were saying about China. The government, including Chairman Xi, has said the high unemployment rate among highly educated young people below 26 is because they're lazy. And the reason he says that is there are plenty of jobs available in factories and warehouses where we are automating 
and we would think you you'd think the Chinese might. I had the kind of feeling before this that the Chinese were ahead of us in that. They're not. They're behind us. They have lots of people, and they and they also, by the way, have a shrinking population at this point. Right. Uh, their population in every uh, one of their provinces, prefectures, they call them, dropped this last year. And they're down at least 800,000 people fewer, going on a million people fewer than they had the year before that actually live in China. So you have a declining population, an aging group of people, and little or no automation in their uh, factories and warehouses because they've got cheap labor. They have a lot of cheap labor. Yeah. It's Um, hard to automate when it costs more than just using the people. The reason why we're automating at the speed we are, and it's not just in warehouses. I mean, you're talking about uh, Arby's and McDonald's and Burger King, and you go down a list of all of the things, This the, the concept of what's happening with AI and voice recognition is when you drive through a drive-through, the, the most American of American restaurant experiences, you may not be talking to a person anymore. There are places where it's already being used and it's going to be a lot more places because the it isn't because they want to fire their existing employees we're not seeing layoffs at the big restaurant chains we're not seeing layoffs at the warehouses they have been in absolute need of more more people to employ and they have been trying to fill those roles for years and years now and they finally just realized we're not going to be able to keep these these roles filled. We're not going to be able to keep employing people. We can't keep them on board. They keep going on to other places and we can't fill our openings. So they're filling the openings with robots. And this is causing actually the hiring is continuing and to be ramping up uh, because when you put robots in a warehouse, the warehouse becomes more efficient, which means that you use it more in your logistics network. And that means that sometimes you have to hire more people to help the robots work. And so that's what we're seeing. It's very much like what happened at the big telephone companies when when automation hit for auto- operators. When you dialed zero and you stopped getting a person and you had some kind of directory phone service that you pushed buttons to get through. Uh, And that took place 20 years ago. Well, we didn't see massive layoffs of operators across AT&T and Verizon. And no, you didn't. They got repurposed to better jobs inside the company that were required. And we're seeing the same thing in trucking. Uh, We've talked about uh, driverless trucks coming out to to take cargo great distances. And um, we're not seeing a bunch of people being laid off in the trucking world. We don't have enough truckers. I mean, there have been some layoffs, and there's definitely some uh, bullwhip effect happening in logistics and trucking right now because of where items are being made. The networks have to adjust to changing their trucking routes. But what we're seeing overall is that we have more truckers employed now than we did five years ago. Now, that's a problem because the age of those truckers is getting older, and the age of the trucks are getting older. So as we replace as one person retires and we can't find a new trucker, we're going to replace that person with a robot. We're not, this is a, the, the healthiest way to transition, very unlike what happened at the beginning of the 20th century when the tractor just came out and wiped out jobs across agriculture. That's a big part of why we had the Great Depression. And we're about out of time. This is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jeff and Jake McClure. Uh, this is the personal wealth coach, and we do make uh, other statements than really bad puns about songs. 
we are uh, a, a finance program, as you would probably guess from the personal wealth coach being our title. The personal wealth coach is not just the title of the program. It's also the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm. All right. Well, does that mean that the SEC likes us? What would you say to that, sir? I would say that the SEC is a professionally dislikes almost everyone. Right. That is no implication of the SEC's approval just because we're registered with them. Why is the radio program and the firm named the same thing? Because we have to give this disclosure no matter what it is, and it's less disclosurable. It takes less time to do if it's just the same name. So we've been doing this program here uh, on this in, on this station, 1400 AM in Temple, since 1996. We've been doing this a long time, and we haven't been paid for it ever. Uh, we also Man. have not ever paid for it. So we've been doing this a long, long time, and the whole idea is education. We do advertise as a firm for on the studio, uh, on the channel, for this radio program. We don't actually advertise for our firm. We're advertising for the radio program. So what we're saying is that this is educational, and we do occasionally get business from it, but our purpose here is truly education. That being said, it's not advice. Advice would be if I knew who you were, if the other bald guy, Jeff, knew who you were, and we were able to have a private conversation with you about things in your best interest versus broadcasting to everyone. So we're going to be talking about education, which is why we do the program to begin with. So those two disclosures are really one. And having said that, do you deem to tell us another disclosure? Yes. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. And he really can't get through the week without that. I think right. uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give individually, uh, individually crafted and customized advice based on what people are trying to achieve that's generally and portfolio management and portfolio management. And that's generally for people with higher net worths, but we make exceptions occasionally. Um, and so you can contact us locally voicemail available during the weekend, but actual real live people, no phone tree during the week at two, five, four, nine, four, seven, 11, 11. You can reach that line tool free at one, eight hundred nine, one, four, seven, five, two, six. That's eight hundred nine, fourteen plan. And I think it's important to note that we're an independent fiduciary firm. We don't work for a corporation. We only work for our clients. Right. Exactly. Uh, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's a contact form. You can use emails, Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There are uh, recordings of the radio program going back years, newsletters going back decades. Uh, and you can find us wherever podcasts are given. Um, thank you very much for listening on a nice Saturday morning. And until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.